right. It is the return of According to Callus. This is going to be episode 166. We're going to kick off the new year with a brief, short intro. Welcome back. I uh, skipped out the last two weeks of 2021. I just needed a little downtime, had a little vacay, a little time with the family and friends, and just kind of was nice to unplug. Also skipped out of the social media for almost the entirety of two full weeks. It's just really nice to disengage from all the crazy that makes up our lives these days. So, new year, new mission. And this is, of course, going to be a Mission Monday. We're going to probably do a couple of these. I'm going to then end up jumping back in uh, and finish my review on Wednesdays, right? And um, on Fridays, we'll do hmm, the free-for-alls and the... (laughs) <laughs> the Finley Fridays, right? Um, we want to, and when I say we, I mean we, the listeners and myself, we want to build on what I've been doing. We want to make the most of what uh, my investment is. That is to build a relationship so you guys know who I am, what I'm trying to do, where I'm trying to go. And quite frankly, I would really like your help. I would really like y'all to put in the good word, to, I don't know, share the show, like the show, tell your friends. I mean, uh, it's not like this is super expensive or anything, but it's not like I'm making money doing it either. So for right now, I am just trying to make sure that I'm giving you good content, things to think about, things that are of interest, and most of all, to be just a little bit entertaining so that I'm not wasting your time. I'm probably going to look at staying right between the 20 to 30 minutes uh, an episode. Uh, I'm going to, for the foreseeable future, stick with the three-episode uh, format. Um, probably by next quarter, I'm going to amp it back up to going four times a week. That is the current plan just kind of had to reconfigure some things. There's a lot of mm, unknowns that I'm dealing with right now. Until those get sorted out, we've just got to go with that. So in the spirit of the unknowns and the right now, um, talking about the mission. So I got three points I want to touch on. The first point is going to be right now. The next point is going to be next moves. And the third point is going to be next generation. So right now, I I spent the last two weeks of the last year on occasion just thinking about where am I? And I don't mean just geographically. I mean, where am I? Where am I in my life? Where am I in my trajectory of what I wanted to be doing at this point in my life? Where am I at as far as career? Where where am I at as far as where are my uh, grown children? You know, trying to factor in all these things. So I can start making some moves, right? And when I'm saying where am I at, it also has to fit together with where are my friends, where are my allies at, and how do I best assist them, protect them, and quite frankly, defend them is more important than assist at this time in my mind. Because there's a lot of crazy going on right now. And I don't see that it's going to get much better anytime soon. 
so that being said, once you've got an evaluation of where you are, right? What, what's your place? Then you can think about, well, where do you want to go? What's your next move? Okay. So a couple of different things that I'm looking at is I don't know how things are going to play out politically for me in the, in the immediate future. I, I took a step back and a step to the side, um, kind of let some things sort themselves out. Um, it wasn't my first choice, but I think that was what was best for my family. I think it's what's best for me personally. Just those unknowns, right? Those quantities of <laughs> information that are lacking that can cause you all sorts of headaches. And I don't want to overcommit myself. And that's, I think, one of the pitfalls I fell into last year is I, I had overcommitted on a couple different things and it kind of really made it challenging to do a good job on everything I was in. And I don't want to do that again. And, and I did make some um, decisions that allowed me to scale back my involvement in a couple of things. And it did allow me to reconsider whether or not I was in the right, right spot at the right time. And now that I've made those changes and I've scaled back, I, I'm getting ready to get back involved in a couple of different things that I had purposely mm, disengaged from for a period. Everybody's got to take a little time out of certain things. It gives them a clear understanding of what's going on. So next moves. I think that I can look forward to being uh, uh, re-engaged, if you will, directly in party politics. I think that Allowing myself to not have a role that I'd held for about eight years ultimately did not do me a good service this last year and a half. We're going to fix that. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to all play out, but I'm confident that once that's resolved, that'll get me pointing in the right direction. Number two, I'm trying to find the, the best outlet for my spiritual growth. Uh, for a long time, I was involved with youth ministry. I thought that the normal direction to go after that was perhaps going, perhaps going to college ministry or maybe going to the men's ministry. Right now, I don't know that that's the proper time and fit. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the general dissolution or disillusion, if you will, of some of the things that have gone on in the last year and a half, courtesy of COVID. Just been very disappointed at the American church as a whole, and from time to time, my own church specifically. And I'm not going to go into that in detail, but I have to find out what the right way to deal with it is. So going forward... I might have to revisit the book club issue. I, I, I really thought, you know, a few years back when I first started this, that was the trajectory I was looking at, but that got put aside because I had a few too many things going on at the point. And I think I'm going to revisit that idea. I think digging out a book or two or three over the course of, you know, nine months and going over them maybe once a week with a dedicated group of readers 
to kind of reinforce the ideas of liberty, uh, where they come from, what they mean. Um, not so much in a um, entirely clinical view, but more as a practical application or understanding. <coughs> Excuse me. I think I think that that would be beneficial for all involved. And and uh, I'm going to kick that idea around with a couple people that I think uh, expressed interest the last go round, and see where that goes. Next thing is I'm going to get reengaged in one of the clubs. I think I think that there is a definite need to look at filling some holes that we've left behind. Whenever you're dealing with politics, whenever you're dealing with clubs, there's always the temptation to make it about you. There's always the temptation to try and control certain things to put your stamp of approval on it, if you will. And there's nothing wrong with that until it becomes detrimental to those around you. And I want to be involved in a group that is cognizant of that and really doesn't look like they're going to go down that road, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, so that's going to give me an opportunity, I think, to perhaps express myself a little more publicly and uh, build on my skill sets that I have. Apologize, I got a little... Uh, a little scratch in the throat on the trip. I think it's just a little tonsillitis thing going on right now. So excuse the coughs there. Third point, next generation. Here is the key element. When we're looking at the future, when we're trying to decide where do we want to be going, we have to make the decision early point the ship in that direction knowing that at a certain point in the future this is where we're going to be at I think that's uh, something that we need to revisit every now and again so in this time I was thinking what do I want to leave what kind of legacy do we need to have and right now I have some serious concerns that uh, Collin County has not done a good job at protecting their flank. Collin County has not been thinking about the future. And when I mean Collin County, I'm referring to those that subscribe to the idea that they're conservatives or Republicans or Christians or whatever your proper term or preferred term is. Um, I see myself as a constitutionalist. I see myself as a Christian first and foremost. And I've got a lot of grace for people that... Mm, don't necessarily 100% agree with me, but I got a lack of tolerance for people that say they're on my team and then they're not. If somebody's honest and just says up front, hey, Stephen, you know, I, we, we don't agree on this or we don't agree on that, but we can work together on all these other things. Yeah, all day long. I'm on board. Let's do it. But somebody says, oh, yeah, we're, we're on the same team. We agree. We agree. We agree. And then when push comes to shove, they knuckle under or they cave or they just let you down. That gets old real fast. It does not inspire a lot of confidence. It does not make me enthusiastic about that person 
or their group or really anything that they have to do with because it's a that's a tell in a lack of character. So the next generation, we want to inspire good character. We want to protect the flank, right? That is, we've got three, four counties that abut next county county. We need to be building into them so that they can look forward to a future where as the population spreads, that they have prepared the ground, so to speak. The other thing we need to do is we need to really redouble our efforts on young people. And that's one of the things that, you know, I got, I got to say I'm a little envious. It's real easy to sell young people on an idea that they should get stuff for free or they should get it for cheap or there, there shouldn't be any cost to certain things. And sure, that sounds great when you are 15 or 20 or even 23. By the time you get up to 30, you start to think to yourself, man, if nobody pays for anything, where's all this money coming from? Hey, man, uh, I don't want to work for free. How, how are we going to do this? I mean, Europe has the issue right now where their only real growth is in bureaucracy, which then means that taxes. And you know what? The United States decided to follow suit. The real growth isn't really there. It's fake growth. But we need to we need to prepare our young people for that. And the other thing we need to do, we need to really look at how do we best serve those people that are past their prime. Now think about it. If you've got an entire generation of people that aren't able to necessarily take care of themselves right now, but they can tell stories about their past and all the things they've done and they remember certain things and they have the skills that they can describe. That's people you want around your kids, your grandkids. They can pour into the youngest generation. They can build their respect. The intergenerational mm, timeline can continue. Now, how do you do that? One of the things is you got to look for alternative education. And this is a reoccurring theme in my life is how do I redo the educational model? Now, I'm interested in the local school board because it's the local school board and it's the city I live in. But the reality is, is I don't think that government schools are getting things done in a way that's beneficial for society. Now, it may be better than nothing and it may be better some, than some really bad schools. But the reality is, is we're just not serving the people that we're taxing. The reality is, is that there's not a outcome that is long-term feasible. Indeed, we're priming people to go off to a college that will largely give them a degree that is worthless compared to the amount of debt they've taken on. So how do we do that? How do we rethink society to where we can build upon the idea of individualism, but also cooperation? How do we flesh out the idea of interconnected dependence, but independent thought and action? How do we look at organizing something in such a way that 
there's nobody that has to be coerced to do the right thing. It's, they're doing the right thing because they know it's the right thing and they can see the mutual benefit all around. These are the things that we're lacking. Now, I'll be the first to say that man has fallen. Man is inher- inherently not good. But just because man is inherently not good doesn't mean on occasion good things don't happen. It doesn't mean that we can't reward good behavior. Indeed, that is one of the sole purposes of government is to punish the wicked. And the absence of punishment is in itself sometimes a reward. But then when you tax people for being successful, when you tax people for showing initiative, you're punishing them. So perhaps you're looking at the wrong role of government when you're punishing people for being productive. You're supposed to punish people for doing wrong things. Again, different things to look at. And these are all things that could be discussed in the aforementioned book club. So the next generation, we have to build that out. And the other thing that it really seems to be getting lost is the idea of transferable skills. Now, I read a post, which was in a website, which talked about the idea of a wood-lined well versus a concrete well. And long-term, which is better for, I guess in this instance, it was the family that is going to maintain it. The idea being is if you had a concrete lined well and you don't have to do anything to it for, say, 60 years or 75 years and you get three generations removed, there's nobody alive or around that's able to describe how to properly maintain or take care of it or fix it even. But if you had a wood lined well, because every... 15 or 20 years, you have to take it apart or repair it or just do the maintenance work, that that was something that would be passed down from generation to generation. It's it's a recurring skill. And while there is a good argument to be made for that, and in conceptual uh, understanding that makes sense, but if you're working with more than one well that's made of concrete or for instance, masonry, you can rotate those and you can schedule them out differently so that potentially every generation you're relearning that. So I think in theory, the author was looking at the idea that if you do something so well that it outlasts the designers, it outlasts the builders, that people forget. And I mean, we look at how they built the, for instance, the Eiffel Tower, or perhaps most of the skyscrapers, you know, a hundred some years ago. I don't think there's a man alive today that would be willing to do what was necessary to build something just like that. For one thing, you can say it was extremely risky, but when you look at the number of people that actually, in fact, died and the completion of all those skyscrapers, that's really not that high. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the guy that sacrificed his life. I'm not, you know, making light of the fact that people died. Just trying to point out on the grand scheme of things, 
far less people died building skyscrapers than various other things or even properly building a road. Now I know they have engineers and they have computer programs and you know, all this extraneous stuff that will tell people how to do it. But the actual understanding and the methodology and the base line ideas are there enough people that actually know how to do that i mean we've got machines that can lay down roadbed and tear up roadbed and nobody has to actually do a thing but does anybody actually understand what's going on there what's the function what is it that we're accomplishing i mean yes i know we had a nice clean road when it was done but if nobody actually understood the preparation that was at work or the formularies that were used to properly bind the ingredients together, are we really better off? Yes, it's cheaper. Yes, it's more efficient. But it, it's leaving something out. There's a gap there. And, and that's one of the things I'm looking at, right? People have talked about for decades industrialization and how we're going to get to the point where we don't have to work a real job because everything will be so cheap and easily obtainable. But I've yet to see how that's feasible. I see in, they make the argument based upon AI, based upon robotics, but somebody's got to make the robots. And at such point that the robots can make themselves, that really calls the question to mind, what purpose do humans have then? And that should be disturbing. There's all sorts of science fiction novels, movies, and stories that circle around the idea that man ceases to have a purpose. Now, as a believer, we can say, well, we were created and we have always have a purpose. Likewise, we acknowledge there was a purpose for government or um, a company or a family. But if you don't understand what it's there for, if you don't understand the rationale behind it, you fail to see the need. You fail to understand the importance. That's what I'm concerned about. That's why we have to think about the next generation. That's why once we get these uh, next moves put in place, we can start building towards the next generation. We should always be thinking ahead. We should always be thinking about the generation that follows. And that's one of the things that Clearly, the generation before me didn't do well. And uh, at the risk of sounding uh, like the Gen X self that I am, the boomers let us down. They didn't really prepare us or anyone to replace them or to succeed, no, succeed them, right? There should always be a succession plan but they didn't want to do it. And I can't say I blame them. I mean, if you reach certain levels of success or you reach, uh, attain certain roles, you want to keep them for as long as you can. But at the risk of damaging the people that are supposed to follow you, it doesn't make sense to me. And honestly, as they've given away large parts of our economy, I often wonder if it wasn't on purpose. But what I think they all fail to see is who's going to take care of them when they can't take care of themselves anymore who's going to be producing for them 
when there's nothing left to produce. At the macro level, you may not see these things, but when you go down just a step or two, the whole idea of a small town was it was supposed to be largely independent of the surrounding towns, but dependent on the surrounding mm, agricultural area, if you will. There's a reason why a lot of cities were built on rivers or other transportation hubs because of trade. When you're looking at the next generation, you have to look about how do you make it productive? How do you make it regenerative? Regenerative, right? Not just sustainable, but regenerative. Now that's kind of like the, I wouldn't say the newest thing, but it's a, it's a newer concept within agriculture. It's a newer concept within various um, spaces, if you will. But if you could regenerate your small town or regenerate a small city every couple of decades or every generation or two to reuse that which is there to make the most of it. You know, a skyscraper that's 60 years old may become a major challenge, but if you have a multi-generational home or you have perhaps even, you know, a multi-unit building, and I'm not talking about a 100-unit apartment complex where there's six of those complexes and you have, you know, 600 units in, you know, quarter mile, not quarter mile, what are we talking about? A couple of acres, right? I'm not talking about something like that. I'm talking about where perhaps you have a couple of uh, the old school storefronts, right? The front of the building's a storefront, upstairs where the family lives, and in the back part is maybe a little apartment, and then um, in the back part of the uh, storefront is actually like a warehouse or you know, production area. That was a way... <clears throat> that where you lived became a production or a producing function as opposed to just a cost. Likewise, when you had a homestead, the home actually was a production center rather than just a cost. But when you live in the suburban world, your home is your castle, but it is nothing more than just a big cost, a suckle of your money, if you will, which don't get me wrong, I've really enjoyed it. But now as I'm getting a little older, getting a little wiser, if you will, I want to look at where could I live to where I can produce stuff, produce something to offset the cost of living there. Now, maybe maybe that incorporates uh, purchasing a small building and converting the building to have multi-functions. Maybe it means that you find something that is a... Uh, Suitable area to grow certain things or raise certain things. I'm not sure. But these are part of the next generation thoughts. These are the things that we're looking forward to in the next couple of years. How do we best play this out? Not just for my kids, but my grandkids. And you should be thinking the same way. Well, I've now uh, exceeded the time I plan on putting in this and my throat's about ready to give out on me here. So with that, uh, I... Thank you for joining me on the return, episode 166, New Year, New Mission, on the Mission Monday. This was According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.